of Cinema Demore. I'm your host, Chuck, joined by Lexi. We're missing Justin as he has taken ill. We're heading into the Halloween holiday season. Yearly, we like to do some different horror films. In the past, we've focused on Halloween. That, that's our big thing. That's the one we all enjoy, I think. Then we mix it up once we ran out of Halloween movies because there's only so many of them. Don't worry, they'll make more. We're getting another one soon enough, and I'm sure they're going to make more, even though they say this is the end. They're fucking liars. They'll make more. It's just the end of this particular version of Halloween. Bare minimum, 10 years, they'll revisit it again. Like, no question. We'll get it. So, so yeah, Justin kind of threw out, I don't even know that he even threw out options. I think he more or less just said, like, yeah, I think Wes Craven's a good idea. Yeah, that was what he said everyone's kind of just like uh i guess sure like no one else i didn't particularly come up with any replacement ideas for that his justification to me was that can you think of a horror director i can think of several yeah (laughs) and then i started listing them but that was his thought process he was like can you think of like a a solidly horror director and i was like yeah toby hooper but (laughs) think of i could think of many i mean i know think i know his point of view going into it was whether you think he's a good director or whether you like his movies or not he is prolific aside from john carpenter he's like the next biggest yeah prolific horror director american horror director that's very widely known i guess like you know some of the other guys get a he's little responsible for one of the biggest franchises out there i mean nightmare yeah. on elm street is definitely like probably top three yeah, it's adjacent to Halloween as it's also a slasher film. Although then, interestingly enough, he hits us with the, but I don't want to do Nightmare on Elm Street right now. We should do his other films. And it's like, now you're just limiting us here, Justin, with, with our selections here. But No, I was pleased. When he said that, I was like, I feel like you're getting into just like Nightmare and Scream. And I'm like, I yeah. personally don't like Scream. I love Nightmare. Don't really like him that much as a director. So I was like, I think it's an opportunity to explore some of his other films all you ever think of when you think of him is nightmare on elm street and scream yeah maybe hills have eyes hills like have eyes and last fans. house on the left is like his two other i think his two other bigger ones but i think even with last house that one is more like within the horror community kind of thing it's not like the public domain kind of thing like yeah. that you get with nightmare and stuff like that like everybody knows nightmare everybody knows scream like they're they're milking those franchises to the death too i feel like more people have heard the name last house on the left than have actually seen the movie like, right it's exactly like, it's, a, it's a movie people hear and go go oh i've heard that movie i've heard it's crazy but they don't yeah. like that hardly anyone actually has watched that film like it's, it's like serbian film it's yeah, like it's, it was like the original know version. of it but yeah yeah, for sure. Absolutely. See, that's that's my thing with Wes Craven. I'm not a fan of him as a director because I feel like a lot of, especially his early content, he's very rape heavy. Even before my transition, I was like, this guy is like way too into rape Like his because his rape scenes go on forever and like they're really focal to his films and his <clears throat> his storytelling. And I'm just like, he's got like, I don't know, some kind of <laughs> kind of like hate on women mm-hmm. or something or or maybe that's like his idea of like showing like horror. Uh, and I'm like, but I feel like we've talked about this before that there's a way you can do a rape scene 
and make the people feel sick and know what happened without like having to put a camera in a fixed spot and literally just have a woman get like gang banged for like 30 minutes of your film and like yeah sounds like i spit on your grave the original one that's right very much exactly. like that. that film is just like like basically like yeah just set up the tripod and just uh yeah, just go at go. it for a while and it's just like okay that i'm yeah i'm not interested in this at this point like no. <laughs> i don't know i don't know what you're going for there man i mean exploitation he's definitely like a pioneer in the exploitation field the early early parts of his career are very exploitation heavy like i mean he was working in the 70s he was making a lot of films about rape crazy mutant people and like they were more fixed in reality in a lot of ways he didn't do as much fantastical shit once he gets to Nightmare, that's when he starts branching out into like different realms of horror, essentially. Yeah. I haven't done like a ton of research on like how deep it goes, but I do know he does have like, I think he had like weird ideas kind of talking about like the way he like views people and characters is I know he was, he's not Mormon, but his family was like kind of in like some sort of cult or they were a very like strict religious thing. And he, he was like, okay. it was at the level he was not allowed to watch movies. He didn't watch a movie till he went to college. Like he did not know what film was, which I guess is maybe why he got when he, as soon as he saw a movie at like the age of 19 or something was like holy crap this is the greatest thing i've ever seen in my life i need to do this <laughs> that's yeah. He, yeah he's he's talked about that about like because that's one of like the more interesting things about him is that for being a filmmaker he had no clue what film or television was like he was not allowed to view those kind of things like they were very strict and very repressive it very much i feel like you do start to see like in the way a lot of his films deal with that kind of stuff of yeah i don't i feel like he was dealing with something there that he maybe he doesn't even fully understand why he gets into some of those weird things especially in his early early films that he's trying to figure out but definitely definitely i think impacts how he went about and i very interested in the films that we are talking about this month because I feel like they're all, yeah, they're all films that he's not most known for. I'd say the third one we're going to talk about is probably the one that maybe most people know. I was just going to say, I feel like People Under the Stairs is like a film that people like, but they don't realize it's a West. They might not even, yeah, they might not even know that it's his because, yeah, I don't feel like I think I feel like he was at a point in his career when his name wasn't necessarily the selling point anymore, and it was just kind of like, hey, he's making movies, but he's not. We're not necessarily slapping his name above the title to to draw people in anymore. More so, I think these are. I believe people came right after Night, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, even though he hadn't made the other films, but that people had Nightmare on Elm Street burnout. Yeah, which unfortunately his name is attached to all of it, even though he didn't make yeah. all of it. So it just kind of does affect him. So again, he he is interesting, and I, I guess we'll hopefully Justin's well enough next time when he comes back that we can we can get his his input specifically on you know what it is that he likes or maybe yeah. also doesn't like about Wes Craven. We're just we're just going off of what what we feel about it. Uh, we're starting off with one of his weirder films, I guess. These these kind of are all weird ones, but this one is. I definitely think that this is his weirdest film. It's a very strange film, uh, Serpent and the Rainbow. The reason I picked it is because it's a movie it sure that I is feel a movie. like <laughs> it, has, it has potential. Yes, absolutely. He loses it in this film so much. And like, I, yes. yeah, <laughs> he seems very unsure of what he wants this movie to be. Absolutely. Is, is I think I think probably the biggest problem of it is, you know, it starts out with Bill Pullman in the Amazon with some shaman and he's researching some 
plants and the guy's making some sort of potion for him and then he goes on a drug uh, trip drug trip and sees some weird stuff and plays with a jaguar and then his pilot's dead and he somehow gets back to america and then it just kind of just skips to him being in america the, the spirit animal leads him to the road the jaguar yeah. it's, it's helping him which <laughs> comes back it, later yeah, i was gonna say it comes back later but then yeah. in like the weirdest way imaginable like yeah, like, yeah the way the way that it stuff. does come back is okay it, yeah, he, he gets out there in this one. And and I know this is it's based on, you know, it's it's based uh, on a real say, story to say based on a true story. It's based on more or less an idea. Uh, you know, a guy wrote a book about he yeah. was told that there are zombies in Haiti. That goes all the way back to the film White Zombie. That's what that is. That, yeah. The original term zombie before George Romero was actually the idea of like enslaving people with voodoo magic. And, you know, that's where that whole thing comes from. So he's been told about this and i know that there is an actual you know the guy was an actual doctor that went down to research it but you know whether any of it's real or it's kind of just like you know more or less he went down there and people are like that guy definitely died and he's like i mean if you say so like that's the thing about this movie like this is a real story and i do i know the story because i was like oh it's based on whatever and i looked into it and i was like the real story is really interesting it's basically the same kind of thing like he was sent down by a pharmaceutical company like to figure this stuff i wasn't quite to you know what to the degree but he was sent to research it and he spends a bunch of time looking into it and it gets crazy i mean he's down in like place he shouldn't be looking for shit he shouldn't be looking for there is a movie here for sure I- yeah this movie absolutely needs a remake as like, it's amazing to me that when you look at this guy's career and the films that he's made and you go, let's remake nightmare on Elm street. It's like, no, that's a fucking <laughs> masterpiece. I'm like, that's his like unicorn. Like how the fuck did he even make a film that good? Cause it's like leading up to that, that you wouldn't expect this guy to be able to make that. Like it's so great in its own little bubble, but then it's like, you got this thing here and you're like, well, this is a pile. Like <laughs> there is a lot that needs to be like reworked in this. And like, it's all over the place and it's disjointed and exactly like what he was thinking. I'm like, he could have stuck more purely to the story and streamlined this film out to a shorter runtime. And he would have had a better film. I mean, the interesting (laughs) thing is that according to like the reports of like original test screenings, uh, the original cut of this film was 180 minutes. Oh my and god! He, he cut it down to 98 minutes for an actual release, and that's that. My thought, my thought exactly was, what was the other 90 minutes of this film? Like, what was it like? This movie felt like three hours. It feels long. It does. I was like, Jesus! I can't believe this movie is only an hour and a half. Like. It's pacing is terrible. Like it starts out with the guy and then he goes home and then he actually, he works for a pharmaceutical company who sends him to treacherous places to get hoodoo shit so that they can look at it and see its medical benefits and if they can benefit from it or not. So they're like, all right, we're going to send you down to Haiti to look for zombie shit. All right, cool. So he goes down, starts looking for the voodoo shit, trying to find the powder and it's, you know, run by corrupt government and all this kind of stuff so he's like wandered into like basically like a like a civil war sort of thing that he shouldn't be involved in and like this whole town is basically run by like like a dictator yeah he's out there fucking around like 
getting into stuff he shouldn't be and then yeah it feels like half of it is he wants to do this uh, really crazy psychological like you know this guy's just like having these full-on terrors and nightmares throughout the film at multiple times but then at the same time he also is like well a lot of it's paced out like like it wants to be a political thriller and it's about you know yeah like you're saying it's about the dictator that's running the country and he has like his stooges that are like the local militia that want to kill people and they're the but then he does hoodoo and then he's like some kind of like super hoodoo priest who has like glowing eyes and shit and i'm like what he's got everyone's souls let's get to this real quick he goes through all the shit gets the fucking powder the movie like i don't you don't want to really ruin too much but like (laughs) Like, you know, it's a it's a journey to get to the powder. He gets the fucking powder. He almost loses his life in the process. They drive a nail into his nutsack. And like, this is like your warning. Get the fuck out of here. Never, ever, ever come back. He goes, okay. And then he gets the fuck out of there. And then the second like act of this film kicks in. And then it's like, he goes, no, I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back to Haiti. And it's like, what for? Why for a... Nightmare on Elm Street style special effects extravaganza. <laughs> like, I haven't watched this movie in a long time, but I think, and I think that's why it comes back to me so often is because it, the best parts of it are those like those dream sequences are all great. Which I mean, they're obviously, great. Yeah. He knows it from from Nightmare on Elm Street. Like those all in miniature are all like really great, terrifying dream sequences. Like the the old lady that shoots a snake out at his face is great, or like. I love the practical effect of he like runs to the door and he like he can see the guy outside and then like the wall slams up into his back and all of a sudden he's in a coffin and like the screen like yeah. flips so he's horrors like like that's a really great and then it fills with blood to, and it fills yeah. with blood and it's like it's such a cool like that one scene by itself is like all is practical like, it, it, yeah so those moments that you're like wow we're scraping you did great for like five minutes and then right. you're like, and then you dropped it for like 20 minutes then you did another super cool like nightmare sequence that's really great and then you like dropped it for another 15 minutes for some reason in this film he just can't sustain that terror and also i I would say the one thing that also kills that kills a horror film like he gets too into like noir is the voiceover like this film absolutely should not have voiceover should he do it or shouldn't he do it because it's like he picks and chooses like there was a lot of points in this movie and i was watching it and i was like you know what this movie could use some narration and then some narration would kick in i'd be like wait i didn't need it here yeah i'm like he puts it in in weird places and and i i'm gonna assume that that this was like a blade runner like it was recorded later because someone said they didn't understand why he was why his character was doing something and someone was like like a test screening was probably like i don't understand what he was doing in this scene and like and again it's like pretty obvious what he's doing in that scene but so they put random voiceover over top of this for whatever reason because it just does kick in at weird it's not consistent it's not throughout it just randomly you know he'll be driving and then you'll just like bill Pullman will just be like the world of haiti is a rough and dangerous place and it's just like the worst. <laughs> <laughs> like like that's where i that's why i feel like it definitely was an afterthought yeah. it was not it was not written for the film initially like it was definitely it was i guess that's my only thought is if the film was originally three hours long and they cut it down to 98 that someone somewhere said well then he's got to like narrate because there was probably like a scene in between where the characters actually talk right. to each other and explain what they're going to do but we cut that scene out because we wanted to shorten the film so now he needs to do a voiceover to tell us what he's doing for this reason because someone didn't understand it and a, a studio executive didn't get it 
the test screening. So he needs to explain why why they're in the cemetery doing this right <laughs> yeah. now. Do you think that if we got a Craven cut of this, like his original like lengthier run, do you think it would be a better film? Or do you think like that could not possibly help it? Like, cause I don't know if the, the cause the pacing is terrible in this movie, but I don't know if the pacing is bad because of it being cut the way it is. I think the pacing would have been bad regardless. It's still the problem of it's like three separate movies trying to be shoehorned into one film is right. still I think even a longer version would just be a longer version of the same wrong pacing because he still he can't make up his mind on what he wants to like it almost feels like like he's trying to be again it's based on a true story that was like the selling point like he wants it to be almost like he wants to be taken more seriously which I know this was getting into a time when he was trying right. to be taken more seriously he did uh he did that movie with De Niro and I think Philip Seymour Hoffman it's like Voices of My Heart or something like that where it's like I it's like his only it's not a good film like he's, he's not <laughs> not a he's he's a horror doctor and, and he doesn't he was like trying to it's the film's like philip seymour hoffman plays a drag queen i think and i think robert i do de know niro, what you're like, talking about yeah you've probably heard of it at some point but uh, yeah. whether you've seen it and then like robert de niro's like had a stroke and it's like he's i think he's like a bigot that doesn't like people like that and he's he's homophobic and it's like this is his, philip seymour hoffman's like his next door neighbor and he tries to like take care of him and it's like it's very much like a, a, a yeah it's not great but it, it's it was him trying to be taken seriously and i feel like this right. is a continuation you know he was trying to show like a real life situation of like oh yeah there was a, there was actually a revolution in haiti and they like overthrew the dictator there and and this is serious stuff but also bill pullman plays with a jaguar and that's his spirit animal and he doesn't right. know how to like i feel like a better director could have fit both of those in together when you think of like we just covered Catherine bigelow right yeah, yeah. let's think about hurt locker she was able to achieve in that film showing us yeah. the war the people of afghanistan their resentment in their faces and like you felt yeah. the emotions and were able to understand everything that's going on whereas in this film he doesn't understand that concept and he has to have everything kind of like worded out and explained. So yeah, there's a yeah. lot he's trying to tell us about the area. So that he's using voiceover narration and trying to use characters explaining things all the time and stuff. You can explain things to the audience without directly explaining things to the audience. And this is the kind of film where you need to be from the perspective of the pharmaceutical guy. You need to be having a first time experience in this environment and taking it in. You don't need it explained to you. You need the same level of confusion that he has. You need the same level of understanding that he has because he's going to learn as he's there and you'll learn too. So a more intellectual filmmaker wouldn't have to explain these things to you. And I'm not making fun of him, but he's definitely like his forte is teen slashers. And maybe this yeah. was a little bit too far outside of his wheelhouse. But like Bigelow couldn't capture like the crazy like dream sequences the way that he could because that is where he is strong. So like you said, like the strong points of this film are these like random really absurd special effects and stuff like that like there's a lot of good in those sequences and i, I think so he also spends too much time on those sequences but that is his strength the strongest points of the film are the things that wes craven's good at yeah. but like the weaker points are the majority of the film and the majority of the film is a much more serious set in reality kind of film and he's just not He's not built for this. I, I like to laugh at this movie and it's like, okay, so it's like Independence Day, right? And then <laughs> Independence Day 2 
he was in an asylum, the president, but yeah. that's because the president between independence day went to <laughs> Haiti and had this like trip. journey where, he, where he like died and came back to life. And then he went back to America and they put him in an asylum and that's how you get independence day too. And it's all because <laughs> of the serpent and the rainbow. It's the most logical explanation I could have for independence day too. Oh, absolutely. That's what I think. I used to have the poster for this movie in my basement. My, we had a video store by my house. And my mom and I always got like free posters from there. And anytime they had horror movie posters, they just like rolled them up and put them in the back for my mom. So I moved into the house that we did in Toronto. She took like the whole basement and like lined the basement with horror movie posters. And I was like, yeah, that's a good idea. Cause I was like seven or eight years old. And I was like, that's so funny. And she's like, this is your playroom. This is your whatever. So all my toys were put down there in the playroom. And then my playroom consisted of like the poster for Halloween four, the poster for the serpent of the rainbow, like just all these like phantasm two, like these really horrible, like eighties and nineties horror movie posters, like lining all the walls. And I was like absolutely <laughs> fucking terrified to go down there. But the serpent, of the rainbow was located directly at the bottom of the basement stairs. And it's that shot of Pullman in the coffin with the light yeah. coming through. And he's like screaming. And then there's the boat burning on the water and the light, would hit like when the, all the lights were off in the basement, the light from upstairs would hit that poster just right to get you like looking at Bill Pullman screaming in the coffin. <laughs> and so like, that was like all I knew about this movie growing up was like that poster. And I was like, so terrified of this movie. And then I finally got to be an adult and I was like, I'm going to watch serpent in the rainbow. That movie's <laughs> going to be so fucking awesome. That poster scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. Yeah. And I was like, my mom loves this movie. So it's gotta be good. <laughs> I watched it and I was like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> what am I watching? Who would be a good director that would like, would do a, a, a good version that can like, that can like handle kind of Jordan Peele. Into... Yeah, I don't even think I wouldn't even say Jordan Peele. He's almost too, He's almost too into like the realism side. Like again, I don't even think he yeah. gets into like the fantastical, like uh, kind of getting into like that more nightmarish like imagery. Honestly, is I we we say that I think we say this for a lot, but it's just because he's such a good director. Is like I feel like Darren Aronofsky could do like a version of oh absolutely of this Aronofsky would be, would be excellent. Actually, that's a that's a really good choice. He could do this for sure. I feel like he would he would handle that. Because he does dream sequences, but he does realism incredibly well too. Yeah, so like yeah, because uh, I be feel like choice. it's it's like making me think of yeah, like something like even going with uh like Requiem for a Dream. That's like you know those yeah. characters going in and out of their nightmares and terrors from you know their drugs, or even something like Mother. That's just a full on like hour and a half long nightmare sequence that never ends. Like <laughs> drug trip. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 just a full on film that never ends with that kind of stuff. Because he, he gets into like mother uh, mother's very like kafka-esque in just that like yeah. it's it's inescapable it just i well i like i like a i like a good bit of it it is a it's, it's hard a bit to much. get through it's a lot yeah that that one i feel like that, i should watch it again like i i don't like the fountain and i didn't like mother but i've watched the fountain like seven times yeah. just to be sure that i don't like it because darren Aronofsky is like my all-time favorite director and I really think he's infallible so far. Like he really hasn't made anything bad. And even the films of his, I don't like, I'm like, I didn't like it, but you should watch it. Like, like yeah. go for it for sure. I th yeah. Mother's definitely one of those ones that like, I wouldn't, uh, yeah. I, 
like I, I I think I put it to Justin when I first watched it was like was like I liked it, but I don't want to watch it again because it was just like it was just yeah. like it's it's a more intense film than I like. It's not something you want to just put on and be like, yeah, yeah that was a, that was a good film. I want to I want to experience that again. It was like you get done with it, and you're like, if I never experience that again, I'll be pretty happy because that was yeah. just that was just a lot coming at you. But best best on screen baby death though for sure. <laughs> yeah, we don't get enough of those. I was like, I was like, oh my god, this movie's insane. And then it just like ends, and you're like, all right. Um, have are you familiar with the movie uh, Jacob's Ladder? Uh, yeah, like I, I think that's a, I think that's almost kind of a better version of like a, a nightmare dream sequence type film. See, I think like yeah, I was gonna say like these movies kind of came out around the same time, like yeah, close a couple, few years apart, but like in that same area. And it was like Jacob's Ladder is like kind of a unspoken masterpiece like people don't really talk about it but it's probably like an amazingly well done film like no questions some of the best filmmaking i've ever seen and it's a really strong piece and it's like i think it's a good example of what serpent and the rainbow could have been because it could have utilized a lot of the same kind of like techniques and stuff and gone back and forth the way that jacob's ladder does but this is just it this just gets too bonkers it gets too weird like yeah he doesn't do i i think one of the one of the more effective things too when doing a film like this and he doesn't do it very often in this film uh but he uses it in in like the first nightmare on elm street film is like that idea of you don't know when someone's dreaming and when it's when it's real and this right. is, this one it's always like very obvious that he's like that he's on that he's been drugged he's tripping, or something yeah. like that like it's not like that was always the best thing about those films is like it's just a character like you know sitting there and they're doing an activity you know whatever it's a you know even in all those films they keep doing it like like the character's working out and then all of a sudden it's just like no, there's no one in the gym anymore. Oh, now all of a sudden Freddy's like murdering you in the gym. Like cause, right. cause you just uh, you fell asleep while you were working out or something like that. Or you fell asleep reading a comic book or something. But no one. But it never it's not until something crazy starts happening that you're like, oh, God, that was a dream. Like this is always it's always very obvious in this film that they're dreaming. So you're so it's, you're not scared of it. You're like, well, right. I know he's dreaming. He should have. So what he should have done was like half the film should have been him like trying to acquire the powder but like you know as soon as you hear the word there's a zombie powder you need to go get it we're watching a horror movie you know this guy's gonna get fucking it he's gonna eat it at some point like yeah it's gonna happen like that's just what you if you go into that and don't get that then you're gonna be like well i just i absolutely expect this person to eat the zombie powder but here we are (laughs) but so the better junction to do it would be have it half the film getting the powder and then him given the powder and then doing what you said where he starts going in and out of reality because but he's not able to differentiate because of the zombie powder that's kind of like starting to kind of work him and then then we get to the scene where they do bury him and he screams don't bury me i'm not dead that shit like i think there's some good moments i think pullman's good because we all know that yeah. later on bill pullman is an excellent actor it's not that bill pullman's a, a poor casting or a bad actor in this film but he's not strong in this movie either and it's like i definitely say it's one of pullman's weakest performances but i don't think it's his fault i think it's the material he was given to work with 
Yeah, I feel like that too. And then it's like it's a weird because uh, then he's got a. I don't know, he's got to try to like match the energy of the other actors, which like especially the guy that's the big villain in this film is just like he's great. The the yeah, he's just like, you know, this really he has like this great look, that gold tooth, like he yeah. just look yeah, he just He's, he's my favorite part good, of the movie. He's he has great. like a good villain look and it just that's what it always feels like. It feels like Bill Pullman can't can't match his energy and like he tries. He tries to like get to that guy's level and that guy's like being very menacing and like you know it's like the, you know i do black magic you know i could kill you any minute or i could torture you and make you do yeah. whatever i want and like like bill pullman like tries to be like overly like like i'm an american citizen sir you can do nothing to me i I'm, i have immunity and, and like and that other guy's like real subtle and he's like i don't see the ambassador anywhere like yeah he just there yeah it feels like they're just not on the same wave wavelength in their performances they don't they don't gel well together him and that him and that guy don't bounce off each other very well to make you like think that that they're working good together if you remake this movie forrest whitaker yeah that's he'd be good I, as the he'd be excellent in that role he'd be good as the villain forrest whitaker that's who i'd go with he could pull that role off really well what was that movie um where he plays the dictator um, the, with the, the last king game? of scotland yeah, that movie was excellent. He was great He's, in that movie. I, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that film. I think, though, um, this character has a lot of similarities with that character, like that, that actual person. So it's like you get the those like strong. I like the way that he like um, he comes across as like reasonable, but he's not. Yeah. But like the way he goes about everything, even though he's presenting unreasonable stuff, it all just kind of feels like a very reasonable conversation and that you might be able to talk your way out of it. But there's absolutely no way talking your way out of it. I mean, he gives he does give Bill Pullman like multiple chances before he finally like actually does something like he right. multiple times. He stops him and he's like, he's like, man, I'm telling you, just leave. As long as you leave, I won't do anything to you. And then Bill Pullman like continues. He's like the second time he's like. Uh, man i'm I'm telling you you better leave here soon and then it's like it's like all right i guess this is what we're doing get me the nail and the hammer this is uh i guess this is what we're what we're doing today because you're not uh you're not listening to me anymore and then he's like it's okay it just went through the sack yeah 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 I, i'm glad <laughs> i love that i i i feel like that was i feel i want to i want to imagine that was like the one note that they were like i feel like we need narration why because I need to know exactly what happened with that nail. Like, did it? Like, what did it go through? Like, like I need to know. I'm, I'm a little, you know. There was a lot of blood when he got dumped out of that car. Like, I feel like you need to right. have narration and let me know, like, like how he's still, like, just casually walking around. Like, I need to know what happened there. It's like, I figured but, yeah. it was like right through the head or something, and then they're like, at least it was the nutsack, and I was like. Psh. Yeah, it's so bad. <laughs> <laughs> like, could have been way worse, bud. Uh, yeah, it's uh, so. Yeah, that that was always that's always a great great moment there. But yeah, there's, it, yeah, I I just wish there was that he had approached it a little bit differently. Uh, and yeah, there's there's also just like a weird disconnect in any of the scenes when he's when he's back home back in america that just like those are so bland and like yeah not filmed well they're just like they're yeah i was thinking that too it was like like he like he feels like like last minute yeah like like he just put the camera down and was like okay just just like act like just do the scene uh, like just i'll just i'll just set it up here and it's like it's like watching like a 
16 year old girl pine for like a, a boyfriend who like left her and he's just like oh yeah oh it's like what's wrong i'm going back to haiti it's like you don't need to go back there that's bad it's, yeah no i'm going back because i had sex there with the lady I to, and yeah, i, I like to save it. my girlfriend it's like she don't give a fuck it's like you're yeah, the, gone dude like like the only the only interesting part yeah yeah there's like again like any, anything that makes this movie longer is like they do all the things where like they're they're going over the like of course the most thrilling part of any movie is look at these graphs on my computer that show that this drug's <laughs> yeah. amazing and like and like everyone's like like again they're they're graphs that mean nothing and the, the one guy's like are these numbers for real and i'm just like this is like you cut this out entirely like yeah this is this is like <laughs> This is like the only section that you should put like voiceover narration of like the character just being like the drug was a resounding success. All tests were fine. Like that's right. where you put some voiceover narration to just say that it worked. Like don't show me this. That's not interesting. But like the only part that I was and I again, it almost like I wish he went further with it. Like hey, that's that's another thing. Like he seems like sometimes he he wants to go like all the way for like full on, you know, gore and horror. And then there's other times where he doesn't take it far enough. And so it's just not as interesting. But like when the right when they're when they're at like the dinner scene and like and we only get like two little moments, but they're both like really they're re- they're both really good. <laughs> when little she eats moments. the wine glass. <laughs> yeah. When she eats the wine glass is great. But it's like but again, he like he films it in like the most unfrightening way that it's just it just yeah. comes off as like awkward, like. Like she literally just looks like she got confused and just started like chewing on a glass for no reason. Like, and then the the hand coming out is very like Beetlejuice esque. Yeah, like when, the, when the hand reaches out of the soup at him, and it's like again, like like film that whole thing is like something weird. Like you know, like the people are all like acting more bizarre than that because they're too isolated. Is just like the hand comes out and you're like, oh, that was interesting, and then like this is the not lady starts. Biting this is not the a glass. movie for pop scares. Like you don't yeah. use pop scares in this movie, and there's yeah. so many pop scares, especially in the second half. Like you said, like once he goes back to New York, it's just like pop scare, pop scare, pop scare, one after another. Like it's like, damn, dude. Like I get it. Like he's he's tripping. Like he's got to go back to Haiti. Like, and then the whole second half of the film is just like, all right, let's do some special effects. Let's do some like pop scares. Let's get this like shit like going. The, the the point when he goes back to like when they find out that the guy's got like thousands of jars in the basement of like zombies, they could have expressed that these zombies are more common in this village and that there are more of them or that people see them slowly become like slaves to him or something like that. There could have been more like discussion and connotation to let us know that this guy could potentially be like a zombie overlord of the town and that you don't fuck with him because he'll zombie you. And that's like the consequences of it. So like talking about being a zombie there and trying to find zombie stuff, it's really bad. Not just because it's, it's bad because this movie is just like, Oh, it's just bad. But like, it's also should be extra bad to these people because it's like a personal curse being put upon their entire village. And like, no one can get out of the situation because they're trapped by this, like, high level priest who's like doing all these crazy like hoodoos and killing all their people like maybe they could have you know shown that he's doing this to people who are trying to rebel because we were talking about how there seems to be like you know that sort of level of disorder like maybe that's his goal as he's trying to and they do kind of touch on that a little bit but like 
I feel like they should have done a greater job of showing like that people who are part of like the rebellion group or whatever, like end up zombies and that like they, the consequences of it and stuff like that. Like there's not really enough of that shown. I don't know if I cut you off. I apologize if I did. No, no, you're good. That's yeah. That's again. And maybe, maybe there is like, <laughs> like that's, that's the only thing is like, maybe there, I almost don't want, this would be an interesting film. I'm sure they like probably like lost all of it or threw it out or something like that. But this would be like a I, I'd like to I'd almost like to see what someone would come up with, like taking that three hour version that he maybe shot. And then like like because because I am interested, like what is some because I feel like some of that footage is probably more like more of that kind of maybe backstory right. of of that guy and like why I yeah, hate why this he movie. All that. But I'll watch that cut. But you're, but you're just, fascinated by what could be. Yeah, because if that cut is good, then I can justify this film a lot more. But like, if the the three hour cut is like worse, then it would yeah. just be like the worst film I've ever seen. Because like, it's I'm hard pressed to say like this is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. I did not enjoy it the first time I saw it, and I did not enjoy it this time. I yeah, was like, I'm so mad. I have to watch this movie. <laughs> I was just like, I thought maybe you have never seen it and no. that's why you picked it. So I was like, well, at least he gets to experience it for like the first time or something like yeah. that. Like, like it's I said, not I, even I think like it's that. like, yeah, I think, uh, I, again, I think it's like in my brain, I like blocked out all of the, <laughs> all of the not good parts of it. Cause it's like, cause, and that's what I, that's what I feel like that this is a movie that, when you watch it and give it a give it some time like years from now yeah the only things i remember are the parts that i really liked which are the few like you know really good effective sequences like like again the the coffin sequence like that one sequence like is burned in my memory because i'm like that one sequence by itself is is like the best part of this entire film that five minute section of of this film and so every time i think about it i go i go Man, I think that I think that movie's good. I mean, I remember that I remember that scene and that scene. That coffee great. scene's badass. That scene's great. And then it's like and then I like I watch it and I'm like and I'm like, I'm just sitting there, I'm like, when are they gonna get to the coffin scene? Because I know that's what I want to watch. I know that's I know that's the part I want to see. Like almost to the end of the whole movie. Yeah, it's it's later in the film. I'm like I'm yeah. like I'm like getting further and further into it, and then it's like and and also I'll just I, I like this is another one of those films that uh there's there's too many films that do not need a love story and this is one of them yeah that, that, that's that whole the whole oh, yeah. thing just doesn't the love story add was anything terrible it doesn't add anything and, to this film at all and a terrible sex scene like really uh, yeah. like i was like uh, can this end like this needs to stop like this is just again, not again I'll, I'll, I'll i feel like that's going back to craven's repressive upbringing of he just doesn't he doesn't know how to shoot how a sex to, scene yeah. how to do that yeah he just he's un, very unsure on that so he's so he's just like because eh, like yeah that looks once good. again that sex scene could have worked if you presented it as these two have just been through some shit and now they're just like in like a lustful like whatever moment they're just yeah kinda, or like or like i feel like it, w- it would like make more sense if it was like filmed as like yeah like he's kind of like giving in to the to like the island culture and like you know right. taste you know getting into like you know they have these because we're shown that she like she goes into a trance like hypnosis and like she dances at the beginning when it's like the yeah. the other guy that helps them is like is like i think you want to dance tonight and she's like no i don't and then somebody blows powder in her face and it makes her 
go into a trance and she's suddenly all of a sudden, you know, doing this dancing. So it almost feels like, yeah, like, like, would that be another moment of like, oh yeah, we take this drug and it puts us in a trance and it'll be the best thing you'll ever experience in your life. But no, it's just like, it's just like, Hey, let's go lay on this rock. Yeah. And, and, uh, my favorite character was the guy who ran the chicken fighting, who gave him the powder. And I think the strongest part of the film is when Bill Pullman and him are making the powder for the, like the actual, like for the real, he's like, all right, here's what we got to do. And so like they go through the whole sequence and like, it's that part also is good too. Cause it brings his dreams together. Yeah. Cause like he opens the coffin and he's like, Oh, it's the fucking woman from my dream and all this kind of stuff. So it does a good job of like showing how connected he is to the powder as well. And like the process. So that was a good opportunity that kind of goes nowhere. Yeah. That's, 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 yeah, that's another moment that I, that I feel like was probably also cut down because it feel they very much, that whole sequence is very cut together, very short. And he does a narration over yeah. that whole thing. So I feel like, cause it's like, yeah, it's almost like that, that thing in particular could be like a whole movie of just how they're making this. Cause it, cause it, it yeah. takes place over like three days. Like, like they're like, okay now we have to sleep here tonight and then tomorrow we'll start again. Like, so it's like, it feels like that whole sequence could be its own, its own movie or that would be like a third. And of then the we movie could spend just them doing more time that. with that character. Cause that character is a good character. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, in, I enjoyed he's, him. He's funny. I was, he was funny. He was a shyster. Like he was a good character who, if you remade this, who would you cast for Pullman? I don't know. I feel like, <laughs> Because it, it is weird because it feels like uh, I still feel like anytime you're anytime you would make this film, you almost have to have like I don't want to say generic, but it almost is always going to be like Chris know, all American. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, not even I wouldn't even go like he, uh, he's terrible, super, Chris. super comedic or anything. But like, like, I don't, I don't know. It's which like, which Chris well, is well suited for this. Well, it's got to be one of Hemsworth. You know, Pines. maybe Chris Pine. I like I like Pine, Chris Pine. Pine's a he's, good choice. He's Actually, some, he's got some good stuff. He's the one from um, Wonder Woman, right? Yeah, yeah, he's good. He'd be a good choice for this movie. He'd be I think, good yeah, cast. I, I think he's interesting. He's a he, he's everyone's big favorite meme now because what he's a... having like the worst time of his life with uh, his film premiere. Oh, what yeah. about uh, what's that kid that everybody likes right now? The Spider Man. No, Tom Holland. Yeah, Tom Holland. They they what would cast him? Tom Holland because they'd want to go like super young or something. They're like, they're, yeah, that's what they, they'd be like. That's we a need strange that, we choice. Need that youth, youth demographic. We need the. We I need think as young as you can get. I think that this character needs to be somewhere in his like mid thirties at most, like maybe maybe late twenties, but like because he's got to know like how to get around and do this stuff, but like. Yeah, I don't know his good casting. I would even I would even throw out uh, we kind of brought up that maybe maybe his his best acting is behind him. Uh, he hasn't he doesn't do too much, but <laughs> I, I could even see like Jeremy Renner is like the lead in a film like this because he I you know he always kind of looks like he generally has a confused look on his face like he doesn't fully <laughs> understand what's going on. So I feel like he Renner, could handle this role. Renner would be a strange choice for sure. Just any anyone from the MCU. Yeah, yeah. Any, well, who who isn't in the MCU at this point is the problem. Right. What about Paul there? Rudd? We'll get Paul Rudd, but he can't be funny. No. <laughs> it's your problem, ever. Uh, yeah, that's 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 your problem. You can't you can have any. They don't want to. They want to be t- being too uh too comedic or too sarcastic. But 
yeah, this, I, yeah, I would love to see this redone because yeah, I think this is a, this is a good story, you know, pull, pull the, you know, everyone's, you know, zombie films are kind of, you know, they've already been overdone. So like go back to a real zombie Haitian film. zombies. I think there's a, a real market for the Haitian zombie stuff if you do it right, but you have to do it right because if you don't do it right, it's really boring. Yeah. And, and it's, I thought not, you were going to say it also very much borders on, you get very close to racist with like your characters well, of, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's subjective. If you're going to make a film about an area, be respectful of the area yeah. make sure you capture it properly. Like, like I said, like there's a way to shoot things that you can capture the environment and bring it in and make people feel it without having to like say stuff out loud or make things like pointed out. Cause that's, that's how you end up like crossing the line. In yeah. that sort of way, there's a way to do it without whatever. I don't know. There's a lot, a lot of good choices for dra- directors, but I don't know who I would cast to do it. I was about to throw out Spike Lee, but I'm like, I don't know if Spike Lee would even want to make this movie. I feel like this would be like, no. I don't, yeah, he's. I feel I like he, he would do it. I feel like, but he I just would, don't know he, if it'd be good. He would do it, but then he's he's kind of like you were saying, like Catherine Bigelow, where he just doesn't seem like horrors his thing. Like he's tried it a few times and it doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't really work out, but he would be good at like the, the obviously like the the revolutionary like uprising of of the people. Like he would be great at filming that type of right. stuff. But it's an excellent that's cast I feel too. Like, yeah, you almost to remake this film. Yeah, you either have to. Uh, there's I don't think there's a ton of directors that could pull off the version that Wes Craven did, where he put all of this into one film. It's like it would either have to be you'd have to lean really far yeah. one way or the other. I, like. I couldn't imagine. I don't think, I think that the weakest area of this film is when Craven gets too Craveny. I think like if you're remaking this, I think you need some of that dream, dream sequence stuff. I think it's necessary for telling the story because you need to have him utilize the drugs. Like you need to have that. St- I think that starting sequence of him, having the spirit journey i think that's important so i think you need a director i think like when we talked about or not i think ronofsky is really the best choice for this yeah. when it comes to a director but like you need to have that that dream sequence at the start and you need to have different levels of like those kind of dream sequences interweaving in it because if you're doing it like if you're trying to follow the story that cravens do like if we're just looking at cravens film we're restructuring that that's you got to bring that all those elements into it i think they're necessary to the story and i think they're necessary to the character because they show a character who's willing to experiment and try these things on his own like put his own body at risk and things like that so i think that's an important element to the character is that this guy's a risk taker and i think you need to like show that through his willingness to use these different things and the different experiences that he gains from using them so that should be his strength is like kind of using these things and having that understanding of them so that when he goes into them, they don't necessarily like, tweak him out. Cause he seems to be like, you know, okay, something's like not right or whatever. Like, I think that's more, if you do that better, but I think um, you completely cut out like the way the end sequence goes, like no fucking real life, like hoodoo monster man, like stuff, no, like spirit jars exploding spirit, with like yeah. ghosts coming out of them. Attacks. I think, I think like the spirit going into the jar, the actual like hoodoo side of it. I think that that should be questionable. Like 
you watch this film and you experience what this guy went through because he was given a drug. Was it the drug or was it hoodoo? Like, was it legitimate? And that's what yeah. you need to walk out of this film having a conversation about. Do you think that really happened to him? Or do you think like he hallucinated it all? Or do you think like whatever? Like, I think those are more important questions. You want to leave this movie asking questions because that's what this movie is to movie that, makes you question reality and makes you question what's possible through like old school, like herbalism and things like that. Like it goes back to like old tribal kind of stuff. And if the tribal stuff has legitimacy or not, and those are questions that you want to be able to ask. And this movie doesn't ask those questions. It's just kind of like takes you on a drug trip. And if you just wanted to make a movie about people on acid, having crazy like adventures, (laughs) like you could have made that, that could have been, and people would have loved that. Like, that's the thing about Wes Craven here. Like, this is like also like, I don't think people like this movie. I don't think people look back on this and go, oh, Wes Craven made that movie. That was a great Wes Craven film. Like, I think this is one of those movies that people either like it and don't realize he directed it or know he directed it and go like, what the fuck were you thinking? Because it's it's so outside of like what's typical to him. But he could have made like exactly what we just said. Like if he decided he wanted to make a movie about a bunch of kids who go on acid and just have like some kind of crazy horror adventure, that movie would have succeeded much more than this one. That movie would have made more money than this because he would have been more in his wheelhouse with that. Yeah. Yeah. This is, I, 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 those are, those are some of the more interesting stories that I like in films when you get those, those type of stories where, where, yeah, where you just can't trust. Yeah. Is the character, is the character awake? Is he dreaming? Like what's happening? Like something's, something's going on. There was a, I've been watching, there was a hammer house of horror TV show that they did. That's uh, yeah. I've seen it that they, they did. And one of the stories in that was a character that having like groundhog day where he keeps waking up from his dream, but it's just more of a dream until the point where it's like, everyone's like you shouldn't have killed your wife and he's like i never killed my wife then he finally wakes up and kills his wife and then he's like he's like oh i know this is just another dream and i'll just go back to sleep and then everyone will leave me and i'll wake up tomorrow with my wife again and it'll all be terrible and they're like like no you're definitely awake now you're going to prison and he's just like what like and then that's just how that one ends it's just like nope you're awake you're going to prison you killed your wife uh too bad and he's just like "Uh, but but this was my dream (laughs) That yeah, show's so, great. Yeah, something something like that. Yeah, something where there's more of, uh, yeah, more of where you're questioning this character of, of their sanity. It's like I never, I, yeah. Again, there's too much of, you know, when Bill Pullman's awake, you know, when it's a dream. You can you can tell when he wakes up and he's like, he's like, oh, that was a crazy nightmare, and it's just like, right. I, I want more of the the blurring the lines between what it is and there, you know. You could put you could put more of that, you know, kind of. Uh, where did he get that drink from? Did he get something? You know, someone like hands him something, and it's like, oh, is that gonna, you know, does that have poison in it? Does that have, right? You know, the drug in it? Like, where did he? You know, someone walked by him and bumped into him because he. They say that like well, you can absorb it through skin contacts. Like someone do like, a better you know, job of showing the different drugs and it, like like showing that the culture is like drug heavy and seems to use them not in a way to like just get high but seems to utilize them to like manipulate people to their what they need because like 
he talked about the dancing part like <clears throat> there's a whole like thing with drugs there with the dancing so it's like why can't you go further into like what you're saying and like show the different types of things that could be utilized to manipulate and control people yeah manipulation and control is a strong theme of this movie but it's not present yeah not yeah and it's never like, yeah there's even even after that like dance sequence uh then like the next day it literally just skips over he just goes so about last night and she goes i don't want to talk about it and then it's just never brought up again <laughs> like that like oh you just you know you just go into trances and that guy just drugs you every once in a while to to make you dance for him or something like that like it, yeah it never gets brought up and yeah they still like treat the the guy that like drugged her to dance is still treated as like their friend. Like it's never brought up that like, yeah, right. you know, occasionally he just drugs me and I, I dance for him. You know, it's, it's not weird or anything. Don't, don't, yeah. Don't, don't make it a thing. Bill Pullman. Don't make it awkward. If you look at somebody like John Carpenter, when he made that movie, uh, was it Prince of darkness? Do you know what I'm talking about? Is that the one? Yeah, I thought the same thing earlier. The Prince of Darkness and um, at the Mouth of Madness. Yeah, the Mouth of Madness is a ver- oh my god, like almost a better version of this because that is Sam Neill just losing his mind throughout that. That's a great film. movie. That's like one that, of the best horror movies I've ever like, seen. Like that, that I I feel like that's the same thing of like that's that was literally John Carpenter made the better version of this where it's like you yeah. take a character that's like you know sinking into this world of but he yeah john carpenter's better at carpenter probably would have been better suited to this yeah carpenter i I honestly because like uh, made this because that prince of darkness movie like that has similar themings too with like the green fluid and like tripping people and And basically they're kind of basically zombies in that film they're never like they're never mentioned as zombies and and i guess uh, maybe they're not really but they are all being like controlled by the you know the antichrist like they're all right. being controlled and being drawn to that building that all the characters are are hiding and, in and that's not his strongest movie but i think like it, if you want to sit here and look at craven and him at this time period like they both kind of made these films around the same time again and it's just like they're both their weakest films but like comparatively like uh carpenters is way better yeah like, it's it's it, not it's, his worst movie it's just kind of like compared to what like compared to the, the highs that he hit from yeah from his other films it, it doesn't doesn't hit that same high but yeah like like yeah prince of darkness and and like i said yeah almost almost putting both of those films because he those were like back to back that he did both of those those are almost right. like two two parts of the same of like this film from west craven is you have like the the mind control like drug zombie type things going in prince of darkness and then uh, mouth of madness is a character just losing his mind and they do a much better version in that of like d- being hard to tell like is this guy dreaming right now or is he in a nightmare where he's being you know attacked and you know things are driving him absolutely insane so you mentioned that he's mormon at the start and i'm just kind of like so this guy grew up not watching movies and then saw a movie and like his first movie i think is like it's one of his first commercial films is last house. Yeah. So like you never made a fucking movie and that's the and first that's, thing yeah. you go to. That's almost the more frightening what? thing is that was your, that was your initial. Why, one. why was that where your head went? Like, why was that the first thing you thought to make? Like when you've never watched <laughs> movies and stuff before, like that's more where I'm coming from. Like 
I res- I, I don't want to say I, res- I understand influence. Like you watch these, like like our friend Jacob, like that guy watches nothing but like B whatever movies. He wrote a script. He let me read his script. Obviously, it's a B whatever movie. Like, but he understands the subject matter and like grew up with it, and it's a big part of his life. So I understand why he gravitates to it, kind of thing. But like, if I was friends with a kid who never watched a movie in his life and then sees a movie and goes, fuck, I want to do that. And the first thing he presents to me is this film for the first like half hour is a girl just getting like brutally raped in the woods with a camera in a fixed position on a tripod. I'd look at him and be like, y'all right, bud. Like this was your first, like, and he's just like, he went, yeah, I'm just going to keep pushing that bar. I'm going to keep going down that, that road. That's the first thing you, you came to. Okay. All right. Well, and you look at like Texas chainsaw, which is like another seventies exploitation film. And it's like, I think like Hooper understands what we talk about where he goes, he pushes and pushes and pushes, but he never exactly crosses. He always kind of like pushes and keeps like the cuts in this way and has this like editing style where everything is like constantly moving. So you're feeling stressed by the experience. Like it's a, it's a well done stressful experience, but there's no like fixed camera, just kind of like what, what have you kind of shit like with Craven. And it's like, I just don't, I just don't get it. Like I don't get how somebody over here can create such a brutal masterpiece, but not make a film that's like, genuinely like stomach turning and sickening to watch i'm like yeah. I, I i i keep talking about how i like a serbian film i'm like a serbian film is fucked up but i'm like i feel like last house on the left and like i spit on your grave i feel like movies like that are way worse and they're way harder to sit through because they have this quality about them where they almost feel like a snuff film or like they feel like just like someone filming someone being raped and they have more of that like early day gore gallery internet kind of quality to them. And it's just yeah. kind of like gross. Like they're not fun experiences. And just like, as, as I said, I don't know. <laughs> and, and yeah, I would have loved to. Yeah. Again, we can, we'll, we'll, we'll yell at Justin for his, for his choices that he, that he gave us this year. Cause yeah, I, I feel like, uh, he makes fun of texas chainsaw massacre all the time as being why it's a masterpiece i know i I think he doesn't like that movie or he tries to say like like i don't know it's pretty it's pretty ridiculous and i'm like i'm like i love that movie like i I, that's a great movie there's i i I always said that like like i genuinely my favorite horror movies are ones that are also comedy movies because i don't know i don't know i feel feel horror and comedy work well and that movie excellent yeah movie's hilarious it's so and i i i actually really like uh Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 because it goes even further into just being the most like Dennis Hopper in that movie. Dude, 2 is my favorite. weird because he's, I like he's, four. he's so out of his mind. 4 is so good with um, fucking... God, is that the one that has name? Renee Zellweger and Matthew McConaughey? Yeah, that Matthew generation? McConaughey. That movie is so good. That movie is so insane. I when even mind the third pizza. one with like uh, Vigo Morrison's like, in that one. I like the remakes that they've been doing. The only one, I would say the, the, the two worst Texas Chainsaws are obviously Leatherface, 
because it's such a disappointing film. Like it's such a disappointing movie. Yeah. Best trailer for a film ever though. <laughs> and that one that they just put on Netflix was a deplorable hunk of shit. Yeah, I didn't see that. That was one either. of the worst movies I've ever seen. I've never been so angry. Like that is that is what that was. That was House of Wax. <laughs> that was literally the remake of House of Wax and you just strapped Texas Chainsaw to it. I was so mad cuz that remake of House of Wax is one of the worst pieces of shit ever made. And then they go and they just mimic it. And it's like that 2000s era like horror is really rough. Going back to a lot of, of that stuff. Yeah, there, there, a lot of those remakes at that particular time were Yeah, I don't like I think the only one that I like yeah, I don't mind the Texas Chainsaw Massacre one. I think that one's pretty good. I still think the original is better, but I don't think that's that wasn't the worst film. I like it was it was a very good it was a good movie as just a horror movie on its own. Like it, right. the only the only reason I didn't like it as much was because it's not it's not as good as the original uh, for me. But like they did that House of Wax. I didn't. I actually I actually would say I prefer I prefer the remake of The Hills Have Eyes. I actually think I do kind of like that. I like that full on like mutated like those that like they are full-on mutants in that one did you listen to our um uh month where we talked about vincent price so we covered the last house or sorry the um hills have eyes not hills have eyes um house of wax house on haunted house on haunted hill and and, and then uh the wax one man those are some of like the most bizarre remakes let's say those are those are some other i I can't (laughs) remember yeah a, I like ones. the House on Haunted Hill remake, kind of. I feel like this time watching it, I wasn't as impressed with it, but I really liked it when I saw it in the theater. Because I was like an angsty goth kid, though. Like that movie was like yeah, totally yeah, that alley. movie that yeah, I, <laughs> I I think I had the same thing when I watched that probably a long time ago. But uh, but yeah, I don't like like I and I would honestly say like uh, yeah that I think I think you know what since Justin's not here, we're making executive decisions. I feel like uh, next year for Halloween, that's what we're going with. We're going with Toby Hooper. We're we're overriding him because you know see, I, I said that because uh, uh and even because i'm gonna say one of my favorite films of his is uh have you ever watched eaten alive e, i think i have but i don't remember it but i That's love the one where the guy his... feeds him to the crocodile or the alligator under his house no it's got I robert england is like a, it's his first film or not, I, see that. Or I, don't, I don't know if it's his, I don't think it's the first one. Robert England's like a side character in it, but it's literally that's amazing. It's, it's it's also based on a true story in the same way that uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's based on a guy that supposedly fed people to his pet alligator down in the bayou in like the 40s I or something like absolutely that. Absolutely, watch that. It's insane. It's ridiculous. Have, have you seen his remake of uh, was it um, a Attack on like a uh, Invaders from Mars? The no, one from the think... 80s with the little kid. I don't think I've watched that version. We covered that on our podcast. That's one of my, like, when I was a kid growing up, that was, like, one of my favorite movies. It's a little harder to watch now as an adult. It's, like, a very strange film. <laughs> but, um, like, I love that movie and, like, Poltergeist and all that stuff. Like, Poltergeist. The fun when I was growing up, like he kind of, like, it's funny because, like, he sort of invented one genre of horror with, like, Texas Chainsaw where he kind of, like, created the like um pov like kind of shit like that's know, really every, you know everyone documentary always gives, style everyone always gives halloween but technically texas chainsaw massacre came out like four months earlier or something like they both yeah. came out the same year so it's like he kind of he kind of did beat carpenter to it by a little bit 
but then like on the other side of the coin too he also like inadvertently in the 80s kind of created like an entire genre of like kid horror yeah because like all the stuff he made in the 80s was like horror movies but definitely with that like spielberg touch like so like like families and kids can enjoy because like poltergeist is probably one of the greatest family horror movies ever <laughs> like you can watch that with everyone and it's like still scary and it still has some like twisted shit but like everybody can watch it but it's still yeah. an excellent film at uh like uh, invaders from mars is really good i want to watch the one you talked about funhouse is when kids can watch even though it's a little like yeah that one's not pushing that, that one's not too too bad but yeah that was one of my first horror movies it's his his second film it's the one he did right after oh uh, okay okay. yeah yeah it's 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 a guy that just feeds me it's it's all it's basically it's the similar to texas chainsaw because it only takes place in like one location this guy's motel and he's like he's got like a woman tied up in one room then he's got like a kid locked in another room and then he's trying to feed someone to his alligator downstairs and he's like it does play very comedically like this guy it's this guy's getting further and further, like, like getting pushed to his limit because people keep showing up at his motel in the middle of the night while he's like trying to dispose of all these bodies and murder people. And he's just like, they're like, I want a room. And he's like, ah, damn it, I ain't got no more rooms. I got they're all full. Like, get out of here. Like, he's like, he's like going out of his he, does, he has like a he's kind of a terrible, bad southern accent, but it just works. So I like I genuinely really it. like that film. Like, that. It's 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 great. What about going back to serpent in the rainbow because i was just thinking about yeah. it as we were because we're thinking we're talking about horror directors and i was like who's a modern horror director and i was like james wan and i was like james wan's known for the ghost shit and i was like but james wan has shown himself a competent like with the star trek films and like the fast and the furious movies and stuff like that so he's a competent director all around like he's actually made some really solid action you know movies and stuff like that too yeah. i was like he might be really good at doing serpent in the rainbow yeah, he, he might be able to see. to achieve that because he, he could do the dream sequences. He he's really good at with um. I'm not a fan of them, but what's the ones his earlier ones um, after Saw that he did? Where he did uh he did Death Sentence and no, Death Sentence is a great movie, but that's not what I mean. Um, the one that there's like three of them, but not The Conjuring, the other one. Oh, you're thinking of Insidious? Insidious. Uh, those do a good job of going back and forth between are you in ghost world or are you yeah. in the real world? Yeah. He's he, and you never really know when it's happening. You just kind of go, Oh fuck. I'm in ghost world. And like, you just don't like, don't even always realize it. So he might be good at that flipping, like being able to pull that off. I kind of think if you're remaking this, give it to a bigger director though. Not that Juan's not big now, but um, yeah, somebody like a little bit with a little bit more um maybe some academy award kind of activity under their belt somebody who's a little bit like more prolific like that that can do the the real world stuff better because i think if you can strengthen the real world stuff in it and the 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 dream sequence shit can like kind of come come naturally later if you if you have the right person doing it another like newer horror director that he hasn't done a ton of movies, but um, it's David Cronenberg's son. Oh, Brandon he's excellent. Brandon's I've, I've, excellent. I've liked both of his films. I thought, yeah, uh, like I think those are both good, and especially uh, uh, what Possessor. Um, Possessor was excellent. The new one, and that's like a, that's one that like he does those really. It's really good the way it's like 
goes back and forth when it's like they're inside someone else's head. So it kind of is going yeah. back and forth in like kind of a dream sequence type. Feel it's like to it. it's like he watched his dad make existential and it was like, yeah. dad, this movie's not very good. Here's how you do it. Yeah. And like goes back and like redoes it properly. That was an excellent film. I really liked it. Cronenberg would be a good choice, though. That's what I thought. Even, yeah, even even his father, I think. Could, his could Cronenberg be. could be an excellent choice for that. He could probably pull that off just fine. I would not give it to David Lynch, though. He would no. fuck that all. I don't think that's in his wheelhouse. No, he, yeah, because he's well, he's another one that he that if he would do a film like that, he's good. He would only lean full on into the the dream sequence like you would get like nothing outside of that. It would just be an hour and a half of a character like losing their mind and there would be nothing else, uh, nothing else adding to that. But yeah, like that's, that's, that's what I was thinking. Like, a, like Cronenberg doing something like that, like he could pull something like that off. So Disney probably own the rights to it now and then they'll just go get Tiko Watiki to yeah. remake it. <laughs> they'll, they'll hand him anything, but yeah, that's, uh, he's not that's a bad it. director. I'm just fucking tired of him. It's like it's like that that period when um, what's his name the guy the guy who all I can think of is Childish Gambino Donald Glover the, Donald Glover remember when they were handing everything to Donald Glover for yeah, like that five minutes there always... it was like it was like this weird time where it's just like they just kept handling him everything and it was like he's good I like him but like I don't know if he's necessarily suited for this or that or all these other things you keep handing to him. And then he just kind of like completely fell off the map there for a minute. I know he's got a new season I feel like Atlanta, that, but that happens with, uh, yeah, that, that happens with like so many. And I guess that's like the biggest, the biggest difference. And I feel like that's where that, that happens more now than it did a long time ago. Like you would really have to like work up to like getting like these kind of big franchise or like studio films, like, like again, uh, like, someone like Cronenberg was, he was off doing his like independent Canadian financed films before he ever, you know, it's like people look at him now and there's, I'm sure there's a ton of people that only know like history of violence and Eastern promises and like his more, more mainstream films that he did that are, that are, they're great movies. But like, if you showed someone like, like, well, have you ever seen, um, you know, uh, what's that one with rabbit or something? Yeah. The porn, the porn star who has the stinger in her arm. Yeah, that's uh, she gets in the motorcycle uh, accident and then she like I, starts I always forget go around to fucking dudes yeah. and like jamming them with her armpit needle. <laughs> yeah, like that or like show them like Videodrome and it's like, yeah, that's the same oh, guy that made so like, good. That's the same My guy God. that made, you know, Eastern Promises. And it's like, oh, that was gross. Like Cronenberg is a master of body horror. He yeah. is like the king of body horror and he does such good body horror. Oh, fucking dead ringers dead ringers is one of the best movies yeah, which a, I, I i love that one i'm hoping we can cover that on here at some point that's somebody we should do for halloween it's like i mean cooper cronenberg yeah, i'm I like would, i would cover i would cover although funny one. enough i don't think of cronenberg as a horror director i just think he's a really like prolific strong director who happens to be really good at certain things but i feel like when you look especially like you said looking at his later career like he's really like shown that he's a competent director and like yeah. it's, he's not a genre director. Like he's an all director. What's that one that he did with um, John Cusack? It was fairly recent. And oh, it's something in Hollywood stars, maps in Hollywood to the stars, maps to the stars. That yeah. movie was fucking bad shit. 
I loved yeah. it. It was so good. I couldn't believe how good that movie was. And the twist, the twist is like so good in it. I was like, yeah, he, man. He's getting, yeah, I'm, I'm, I still want to see, uh, I still don't think it's like been, I think it got like just limited release. So I'm still waiting for it to come out on like home video to watch his, uh, that newest film that he just did. Oh, I know what you're talking about. I can't about. think of the title off the top of my head. But I think it's, like, it's a return to body horror too, isn't it? It is. Yeah. And it's like, it's, yeah, it's like a, a very futuristic, like it actually almost oh, yeah. like, like that in my life <laughs> the way they were like everything i saw in it and read about it and like from the trailers and stuff actually almost seems like it was leaning more into what his son's been doing with like the more going way more futuristic like nice. into it instead of like like being contemporary because like both of both of his son's films like are in like more of a dystopian future where it's like oh yeah we have like psychic assassins that can like you know get I mean, in your head and murder he did you. try that with um like i said existence he tried yeah. with the, the weird organic game consoles and stuff like that but i don't know that movie i think was ahead of its time like it kind of at the time that i watched it it felt like a really fucked up shitty version of the the hackers yeah. But then, like, as I watched it, like, later on, I was like, okay, okay, there's some stuff here I can work with. But, <clears throat> yeah, not his strongest film at all. Really weird movie. <laughs> the game consoles and it are so creepy. Yeah. We're, we're making some decisions. When, yeah, when Justin comes back, we'll let him know everything we've already, <laughs> already pre-decided for him. Also, I hate Scream. I am not a fan of that series. <laughs> I think they're terrible movies. Um, I get that people like the first one and i can understand the first one being liked because like it, it is very tongue-in-cheek and i i mean it was like the whole idea of why does he have to be a horror creature and that's just a dude in a fucking shitty halloween mask <laughs> and he did pick he really did pick like the most generic because like when i was growing up those masks were like super generic and they weren't yeah. anything like they were like a dollar store mask so i was like that's an interesting concept but like I don't know. It wasn't. It, uh, it's not my thing. I've never. And I, I watch them because horror people make me watch them. And so I think I stopped at four. I think that's the last one I watched. And I was yeah, like, yeah, I'm I, haven't out. Seen the, I can't. I haven't seen the newest one either. Yeah. And, and I know. I know Justin's a big Scream fan. And I know that he likes Craven as a whole. He seems to be like a fan of him. So I don't want, I don't want to ruin his month. But he's not my favorite by any means and 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 i i would not have picked him and i don't i get the impression now that you wouldn't have which is funny because i was yeah, like not specifically i i figured i was like oh those two picked this like i was like i'm not even gonna question it like whatever but it's like no we're doing, he's, doing yeah he's more of a director that like i've watched most of his films and it feels like it does for me, it does feel more like more like when he is successful, it's because of something else. It's not specifically always him that makes these right. movies good. It's it's either either the cast was perfectly right, done exactly. or the writer wrote it really well for him. It's never I would never say that it was him that specifically made this movie like Yeah, Scream is great casting. Perfect. I mean yeah. that's that movie has like one of the best nineties casts like all just really good actors and they all go on to like big careers after it. And then um, with nightmare on Elm street, like I love nightmare on Elm street, the series. I wouldn't necessarily say the very first film is my favorite. Like three is, 
by far one of the best ones i am super into four for some reason four is my thing at the the scene where the girl turns into a cockroach makes me sick so i just kind of dig that but like i like freddie i like robert england robert england owns that character i grew up in that era like the freddie era like experiencing like him on tv in a tuxedo in the freddie suit like just being himself and i love him so i don't really like go oh wes craven i go i love nightmare on elm street like i like those movies but i don't ever think of them as like his movies and people under the stairs which is a movie we're going to be covering is one of my favorite movies hands down because it came out in that time period where I'd love to talk about that time period in the nineties when they were just like making these horror movies that were like (laughs) very aimed at African-Americans, but like directed entirely by white people, but they're, they're good movies. Like they're some of my favorite horror movies, like the tales from the hood and people under the stairs and Candyman. Like they all have that. Like, I love that time period for horror. Like that's hands down one of my all time favorite periods of horror. So, and I wish there was more of that. So like, even though I'm not a fan of what Peel's been putting out, I have hope because I really liked the new Candyman. I thought that was really well done. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed that one. Um, I just, I think Us was good. Us was all right. But he's he's got a, I, I, I just want to see, he, he's talking about doing the remake of People Under the Stairs. And he's perfect casting for that. Like there's yeah. nobody better. I, he would, he would, he, he'd make that movie great. But like, I think the movie's kind of great the way it is. Maybe don't fuck with it. My Eyes is probably one of Wes Craven's best like standalone films. It's not part of a franchise or anything. Yeah, that I think. I've, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely interested in going over that one again because I that was one that when I first watched that movie, I was like, "What is this movie? Like, what? It's like, so good. It's, it's so, so weird. crazy. Like, it's such a bizarre <laughs> film. Like, but it works. Like, I, I do think that is. I, I do. I do enjoy that one a lot. And. uh I enjoy the next one we're going to be doing Shocker. I think that's another. That was an. In- oh, so that's, good. That's I love Shocker. I, I do. Uh, and we can we can talk about it more about like like why it did or didn't go any further, because I know he wanted. Yeah, that film wanted to a be series a series because they kind of like kind of how we were saying, like they basically kind of took nightmare from him, like he didn't own the rights to that yeah. character or anything. So they kind of they kind of took it and it kept blowing up and and basically it did get to the point where it was just like doesn't matter who you put behind the camera as long as robert england's there like everyone's gonna go see this movie because they just want to watch robert england kill people in super creative ways and right you know that's what everyone wants to see like it doesn't One really matter who's, who's directing it everyone just wants to see his kind of insanity like he is he's one of the few you know again you could put anyone in the michael myers mask you put anyone in the jason mask but like he has right to, it has to be robert england if it's not robert england no uh, the remake of that film very clearly showed that if Robert England was not there, nobody, absolutely no one wanted to see that film. If Robert England was not, was not Freddie in those films. So absolutely. Uh, well, and that's why when they were remaking it, I'm like, I don't want to watch this. Like who the fuck are you? What are you doing? Like you're never going to ever find anybody to capture the energy of Robert England. Yeah. That, that uh, I would honestly say is probably in my opinion, the, probably maybe the single worst uh horror remake i've ever seen and and again that also is one of the worst films because it does it breaks the in the main rule is they always did a super loud noise whenever they went to dream version so you automatically knew as soon as the character was in the dream world and it was like you just ruined the entire thing that made 
the other films good right. was was you blended it so seamlessly like that's me and justin saw that in theaters and it was like it was always to be a jump scare like it was like bang and you were like oh god they're in the dream world okay like so now you're, <laughs> now you're just anticipating like the scare like you ruined it by doing a cheap jump scare to a sound yeah. effect, and you've ruined the actual uh, effect of the character being scary easily the worst of the platinum dunes remakes yeah. we talk about the platinum dunes remakes of that time period because that's all michael bay yeah like he he's responsible for all of those those 2000s era remakes he was just cashing in on that shit which doesn't surprise me when you think about it. and then that that movie on top of that the nightmare on elm street remake it like strings together like six fucking movies into yeah. one film it's like what are you doing like it, did you want a franchise out of this or what <laughs> like i don't know what your intent was with it but just just a terrible terrible thing all around and the thing is is that england's still alive and if you really wanted him to come back and do something with freddy he'd do it i feel like he 100 would yeah they I, yeah i feel like it's all you have to do is ask him and just no one's asking him like i feel yeah like, i feel like he would do it instantly i mean they got the original actor for the the new halloween films and again he doesn't even show his face he didn't even have to come back but right. he was like he wanted to do it because he was there at the beginning so he was like he was like proud to be like oh i can put the mask That's on cool. and like be in the films like he wanted to do it it's like it's like oh yeah i literally feel like if you, if you just called robert england we're like hey you want to be freddie again he'd be like uh, what time like when do i need to show right up? Uh, that's I'll what be, i think i'll be on set next week i got my i've already been writing the jokes for years i've already got them ready to go that being said kane hotter is the best jason hands down and um when it comes to uh, the hulking um beast monster type slashers uh hotter is the best like hands down his um head articulations and his ability to emote with his body is some of like the best in the industry like he's really top tier with his like ability to make something that has no physical emotions emote it's yeah. good. I mean, I like him and um, Gunnar Hansen, the guy that played uh, he played Leatherface, the, the original he, Leatherface. I always I met him before him. he died. Oh. He uh, was very bitter. <laughs> I, well, that's <laughs> very, a, that, very that, I, that I feel like is uh, again. I feel like that's the problem with a lot of these guys is they were like again. I feel like everyone's jealous of Robert England because he's the only one that still gets to be recognizable, whereas everybody else is just like. You literally have to tell people like, you know, I was the guy in the in the mask. Right. And it's like, yeah, like Robert Ingham was the only one that it's like as soon as he starts talking, you're like, oh, you're a Freddy. Like, I know I I recognize yeah. you. Like, I could still see your face. Like, so I feel like I feel like everyone else is like mad that he's the only one that always gets like the credit for being he had his own face and he was his own character. Whereas anybody right. else was like was like, yeah, you, you have to be a, a horror expert to know yeah which films those guys were in to be like oh he only played freddy and or he only played jason in this film or he only played leatherface in this particular one like you have to you have to know you have to know that more and i feel like those guys like we had uh doug Doug bradley plays pinhead yeah he did him forever yeah he was another one that i feel like he and he enjoyed doug bradley is only pinhead that you knew his face like like people recognized (laughs) him instantly as like oh you're that guy whereas like nobody else had to like and, and his bet. voice was basically the same. Like, I know he has that very deep voice that's yeah. like already I met, already like that. I met Doug Bradley at a con, and there was nobody talking to him. He was completely by himself in the mm-hmm. corner. And I walked over to him, and I was like, 
oh my god you're pinhead and he's like i am i am pinhead (laughs) and i went all right i have to ask you a question and he's like okay and i was like are you in bloodlines and he's like i am in every single hellraiser movie and I was like, no, you're not. I was like, that was you in Bloodlines? And he's like, absolutely, that was me. And I looked at him and I said, whoever did your makeup was terrible. It was some <laughs> of the worst makeup I ever saw. And he started laughing. And I was like, I didn't recognize you in that movie. I'm like, it's the only time I ever haven't. And he's like, I have a new one coming out. And this is before like that cyberspace one and all yeah. that shit like that. So he was like in every one of those movies. And then two years or uh then i moved to vegas and i start working at fright dome and i start getting trained by this professional makeup artist from the industry for some some makeup this year and it's gary turnicliffe and i was like gary turnicliffe's the best i love working with him like he's (laughs) such a great guy and i was like i really liked him like and he personally worked with me and like taught me some extra burn work and like I really enjoyed working with him for that year. And I go home and I look him up. He's the fucking makeup artist for bloodlines. (laughs) And I'm like standing there and I'm like, Oh no. Oh, Oh no. (laughs) So yeah. You're like, I don't think I can respect you anymore. I, I, now that I know what you've done. The, the makeup in bloodlines is absolutely atrocious. It's some of the worst. How far that's, that's space Hellraiser. That's five. I think it's five. Cause I know by then, I mean, Pretty much after three is when the budget started going. Well, no, it's downhill. four. No, it's four because yeah, it's it's that's the third one. That's that's Hell on Earth that's yeah. where they're at the the discotheque and he has the CD guy, the CD oh, Cenobite, yeah. and then um, yeah, and then it goes to Bloodlines, Bloodlines and then and after then, that um, is the Hell World or no, is Hell World six? Hell World's like the one that just came out. That's the cyberspace one. I thought it was a later one. Yeah, like there's that one. Then there's that one that just goes back to like the mattress, which is really good. I like that one. The one that comes after Bloodline. It's more like a detective, like a, oh, a, yeah. a shitty, the shitty cop the, one. I don't remember what the subtitle uh, of that one is. Yeah, I own them all. I should be able to just get up and look at them, but I pack them all, so I can't tell you right now. Is there anything else left to be said about Serpent and the Rainbow? Just that it should have been a better film. We've, we've gone over all the ways that it could have been better and all the all the things that they... They could have worked out a little better. Justin usually says, too, that he'll pretty much recommend everyone to watch every film we talk about. Eh, you know, this isn't like an essential film. Like, you know, maybe go to watch it. I Honestly, if I were to say one thing, I would say watch it just for that five minute sequence uh, in, in like the towards the end of the film when he's getting buried and like just watch that. <laughs> That's probably just on YouTube. You could probably just watch that one scene because, again, you'll watch that film and that'll be the only thing that you'll remember. And I, and I feel like it will taint your memory. Like it's has tainted mine to be like, be like, no, that movie's good. And then watch it and be like, but is it like, Oh, what did, uh, like, uh, those, yeah. those, yeah, those moments. So it's, yeah, it's, it's definitely not his, not his best. He wasn't, he wasn't at his top there. He was trying two different things. And I couldn't possibly recommend this movie to anybody at all but the only thing i could say to you is if you think you're a Wes craven fan (laughs) and you have only ever seen like the bigger name titles from him and that's what makes you like him 
go ahead and go back and watch some of his like films that you've like never heard of and stuff. Go give this one a watch. Go look at that weird one that's in the the mine that has more incestual people that like no one ever knows about <laughs> and like some of that shit like because i went through a period there where i was like i'm trying to respect this guy and i started watching every single film he made and that's when i learned to not respect wes craven so if you're a fan and you want to see all of his movies go watch the serpent and the rainbow but I think me and Chuck pretty much have said it's not really worth your time. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what Justin would have thought of this one, honestly. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I actually genuinely don't know if Justin had seen this movie before. I know I gave him my old copy that I got from <laughs> Hollywood Video because, like I said, uh, I bought. I have like just a a DVD set that has Serpent and the Rainbow Shocker and People Under the Stairs all like in one that's amazing on one pack so i get so i was like, like hey, so you, sad yeah i was like hey do you want my old dvd like i'm just gonna get rid of it or something he was like oh yeah and i i don't think he had seen it and i don't know that he's ever gone back and and rewatched it so uh yeah it's definitely we'll have to what we'll to ask him uh when we when we get to the next episode like hey what uh what'd you what'd you think about that film I wanted him to be here today because after our Catherine Bigelow discussion, I went back and I watched Point Break because I was like, I don't know. I'm sitting here and I'm praising this movie and I really haven't seen it since I was a kid <laughs> or whatever. And so I decided I would like go back and watch it. I got to say, it really is one of her best movies. Point Break's an excellent film, like really enjoyed it. And it's also her most fun film, hands down, mm. like all day. So. I recommend Point Break, but I don't recommend this movie. <laughs> there's, uh, there's, there's one thing to take away from our Serpent the Rainbow episode. It's go watch Point Break. We can, All right. We can wholeheartedly then. recommend that. That is absolutely true. All right, then. I'm going to end it. I'm going to end it here. Have a great night. Thanks. Bye. We are Cinema de More. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter to stay up to date with news and information on upcoming episodes. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, Amazon Music, Audible, Pandora, Alexa, or iHeartRadio. It would be greatly appreciated if you subscribe to our podcast on your platform of choice. We also appreciate feedback, so rate us, review us, and let us know what you think. And above all else, thank you for listening. <laughs>